The Holy Spirit has been, over the past month and a half, has been continuing to just um, repeat this in my spirit, that the Lord is my shepherd. In all of my readings, it seems like this, this, uh, this metaphor is, is brought forward in any book that I'm reading or any scripture that I'm reading. This is just continue to be, be, be pressed into my spirit and written on my heart. Um, so much so that even um, this song that I've been playing just on repeat, it came out about two weeks ago and it's called The Good Shepherd. It's by Upper Room. You can look it up. And it's just, it's my favorite song right now. Um, and it just fits perfectly with uh, this, this, this time, what the Lord has kind of been speaking in my heart. Now, uh, there are, Jesus has seven I am statements in Scripture. And these are really important. These are, these are statements that Jesus makes where he says, I am. And then he gives us this, this defining identity that can only be attributed to him. And here's what the seven I am statements he, he, he says in the scripture are. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And the one that I'm going to focus on today, I am the good shepherd. All throughout scripture, um, the Bible presents us this metaphor of God as a shepherd. As early as Genesis 48, when Jacob is blessing his son Joseph, he identifies God as the God who has been my shepherd every day of my life. And it's carried over. I just told you Psalm 23. David writes Psalm 23, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. And and we see Jesus come onto the scene and, and claim, I am the good shepherd. He makes this statement. But we, um, in, in, we know that the Old Testament is, is a type and foreshadow of what's to come, right? We know that what happens in the Old Testament is the Lord showing us in nature what he's going to do in the spiritual in the coming. In Jesus' time here on earth and in the church age, which we live in today. If you've ever wondered why the Lord didn't just jump straight to, okay, Adam and Eve sinned, let's send Jesus in. Let's, let's start doing some spiritual warfare here. He could have done that, but he wants us to take part in this. In order for us to understand the spiritual, which is for the most part is, is somewhat mysterious to us, we, he shows us what it looks in the natural first. So we see in part in the Old Testament what we see in full in Jesus. But the Old Testament is a great way for us to dive in and see what, what does it look like. The Lord says, I'm a good shepherd. We know that's a spiritual shepherd. He's a, he's a spiritual shepherd to us. What does it mean to be a, a good shepherd? What does that look like? And I think we can look into the Old Testament and we could see some of, some of the, this, the attributes that make God such a good shepherd. Because God is a shepherd even in the Old Testament. Even before Jesus showed up on the scene, he was still a shepherd. He was still shepherding his people. As I was kind of studying for this, one of the things that the Holy Spirit initially showed me was that two of the most prominent figures in all of the Old Testament were both called into this massive kingdom-shaking calling while they were physically shepherding sheep. Moses and David. Both of them called while they were physically shepherding sheep. And we could learn something from each of these accounts about what it looks like for God to be a good shepherd. And not only that, but what it looks like for us to trust in him. To hear his voice. To know his voice. 
and to trust his voice. I think that it's probably, um, it's probably true that the Lord who knew David and he knew Moses before he knit them together in their mother's womb, that he destined them for this season of, of shepherding a flock of sheep so that they would understand how to shepherd his sheep, his people. So let's dive in. We're going to dive in and take a look at a couple of these things. And I think that, uh, I, hope, I pray that the Lord is going to um, um, just refine some things in you, hopefully comfort, some, comfort you through times of, uh, of being shepherded and, and to know how to respond to the Lord's call to follow him. So in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take, off your, take your sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing on is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses is in this season where he is the shepherd of his father-in-law's flock, and the Lord is about to call him to be the shepherd of his flock, and he meets Moses on top of this mountain. One of the things that just stood out to me, one of the things the Holy Spirit highlighted to me is, as I'm reading this, if you read on, the Lord says, I've heard the afflictions of my people, and, I, and I've, I've heard the cries of my people, and I've seen their afflictions, and I've come to set them free. I'm going to do it through you. And Moses' response is, who am I, Lord? Who am I that, you, that I should be the one that you use to set your people free from Egypt? And when I read that, I thought, boy, I mean, does Moses need a higher qualification than the fact that God just spoke to him out of a burning bush? That seems, that seems is there something that's more, like, more, more valid than that, that qualifies you more than that? But then the Holy Spirit, you know, I say that kind of arrogantly, and then the Holy Spirit was kind of like, well, you know, you've done that before too. And I know I have. I know there's been times where the Lord has called me and said, I want you to do this. And I've said, made every excuse in the world why I shouldn't, why I'm not qualified enough. And this is just a side note, but the Lord, when he calls you to do something, the calling is the qualification. <laughs> it is. When he says, I've sent you, I'm sending you, that means that he's qualified you, and that is the qualification, the fact that he's requested that of you, the fact that he's called you that, to that. You don't need to search out any other qualification. You don't have to wait for any other qualification. The Lord will send you where he does. I think I'm kind of like living proof of that. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go have any Bible degree. But I get to come up here and I get to share the gospel with you guys, not because of, of, of some other qualification other than the fact that the Lord has called me to do it. And I'm not against education. I think it's great for the people that are called to education. I think that's great. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. I think you'd learn a lot. But, but there is a person in the, in the globe that is qualified to share the gospel aside from a call from the Lord to share the gospel. There's no other qualification for that. When the Lord call, calls you to do something, he has already qualified you. His calling is the qualification to do that. So Moses is, is called, and, and, and he reluctantly, very reluctantly, accepts 
And he goes, and by the Lord's miraculous hand, he leads the people of Israel out of oppression in Egypt to the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord doesn't just say, okay, I've, I've heard your cries and I've seen your affliction. I've led you out of oppression. Here's a roadmap on the way to the promised land that I've set up for you. Be on your way. Have a good day. I have other important things to handle. The Lord, the Lord doesn't say that. Listen to what he Listen to what the Lord does in, in Exodus chapter 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made his sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before them. First thing I want to show you in this is that the Lord says, I could have taken them by way of the Philistine territory, but instead I'm taking them the long way. The Philistine way is short, but the Lord is taking them the long way. And why is the Lord taking them the long way? Because the Lord knows Israel better than Israel knows Israel. And the Lord knows that their hearts are too fragile to walk into battle right now. He could have walked them right into, the wilder, right, into the, uh, right into the Philistine territory. He could have conquered the Philistine territory and walked them. And here's what the Lord knows. The Lord knows that most of our promises don't come without a battle. The Lord was going to give them a promised land, but there was still a battle that was going to take place beforehand. And he knew better than they knew that they weren't ready for that yet. So in this season where he's wandering, or they're wandering through the wilderness and he's taking them this long route and, 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 they're, just, they're, and they're going wherever the Lord uh, desires for them to go, the Lord is refining them. He's preparing them to receive the blessing. I know sometimes the Lord speaks promises into our lives and over us and we say, let's fast track this thing. Let's get it on. Let's go. Let's take the quick way to this promise. And sometimes we sit there and we wonder, Lord, I know you've spoken this promise over me. I know you have this promised land for me. What is this purpose of this, of this route that we're taking to get there? I, I'm in, I am naturally, I've said this before, I'm naturally like really impatient. I'm like the most impatient person in the world. The Lord doesn't always tell me what he wants to do with me because I would just, I'd be there in a second. I'd have, I'd have taken every shortcut there is. But I'm naturally an impatient person, but there's been seasons in my life where the Lord has set something on my heart and said, I'm going to do this. And then it's taken a really long time. And I've sat there and wondered, I just don't know, I don't understand why the Lord is taking me the long route when I know that he can, he can make it happen in a moment. He can make it happen in a moment, but he takes me the long route. And there's purpose in the long route. There's purpose in it. The long way isn't always the wrong way. Sometimes the long way is the right way. Where Jesus goes is the only way.
So, so Egypt, or, or so Israel, the Israelites are, are led out of, of Egypt and they're led into the wilderness. Like I said, the Lord didn't abandon them. He gives them a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they travel through the wilderness moving as the pillar moves. I mean, I think what a perfect picture of God shepherding his people. These millions, probably two million people in, in a flock of people just following these pillars. You know what I think is interesting? The Lord didn't tell Moses where he was taking them. He said he had a promised land, but he didn't say, I'm taking you to the land of Canaan. Now, it's probably because Canaan was a cursed land, and Moses would have been like, I ain't going there. But when the Lord wants to purge a curse, what does he do? He sends his holy ones into it, because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. So he sends his holy ones into the curse to, in order to purge the land of the curse. But he didn't tell Moses where he was going, and he didn't tell the Israelites where they were going. They knew that they were leaving oppression, and they were going to a place that the Lord had set out for them. And as they're wandering in the wilderness, if you would have asked one of the Israelites, where are you going? They would have said, I don't know, but I'm following the presence of God. Wherever that pillar goes, that's where I go. When the pillar rests, I'll rest. When the pillar moves, I'll move. When the pillar dances, I'm going to dance. Because I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to be a reflection of that pillar. Wherever that pillar goes is where I'll go. And I really feel like in today's age, man, there are so many distractions around us. There's so many distractions that we need to be so focused on the presence of God that we just move with the presence of God. When the presence of God moves, we move. When it goes left, we go left. When it goes up, we go up. When it goes down, we go down. Wherever the presence of God goes, we go. You know what I think is really cool is um, some of our young people have been waking up early in the morning to spend some time with the Lord uh, before they begin their school days, before they go off to school or, or whatever they're doing during those days. They, they wake up early in the morning and they, and they dedicate early time in the morning before they do anything else to the Lord. And if you would ask most of them, where are you going? Most of them would say, shoot, I don't know, but I'm following the Lord. I don't know, but I'm going wherever his presence goes. I don't know where he's going to take me. I don't know where he's going to lead me, but I'm going wherever he goes. And today I'm taking that step forward with him and I'm following him wherever he goes, wherever he leads me. Lord knew that the Israelites needed shepherded. So much so that when they get to the Mount Sinai, Moses goes up the mountain to lead, meet with the presence of the Lord on top of the mountain for 40 days. And in 40 days, their hearts melt. They get restless. Their spirits go into chaos. They're desperate for somebody to tell them what to do, where to go, and what, what they should do. They didn't know how to wait on the Lord. So their hearts go into chaos and they say, we're just going to build this idol. We're going to build our own shepherd. We're going to build our own God. And at least then we'll have something that we could worship, something that will give us purpose, something that we could pour ourselves out to. But the Lord, by his grace, a lot of grace, he leads the Israelites, he refines the Israelites, he shepherds the Israelites, until they're ready to receive the blessing of the promised land. And he takes them into the promised land. He conquers the land of Canaan before them. And they settle there. It doesn't take long before the Israelites get a little bit restless again. They start to get restless. 
And they go to Samuel. Samuel's the judge, and he's a judge over the land, meaning he's kind of like the, he gives the spiritual direction. He gives the direction to the people in that time. And they go to Samuel, and they look, they said, we've been looking around at all of these other kingdoms around us, and they all have a king, but we don't have a king. We want you to give us a king. And Samuel says, please, please don't, please don't, don't trade what's perfect. The Lord is our king. Don't trade what's perfect for what's imperfect. But the Lord says, I will give them what they asked for. And he gives them exactly what they asked for. Exactly what they had in mind when they asked for a king. He gives them King Saul. King Saul looks a little bit like me. He stands a head taller than everybody else. Big, burly, tough guy, super intimidating. (laughs) I'm just joking. Think Aaron. Think Aaron. (laughs) But the Lord gives them exactly what they had asked for in King Saul. But the problem with King Saul is he might have made a great businessman, but he wasn't a good shepherd. Because if you're going to shepherd the people of God, you have to have one foot in heaven. I mean, you better be so focused on the glory of the Lord, so focused on the presence of the Lord, that you can't possibly see anything else. And King Saul wasn't that. King Saul wanted to shepherd himself. He wanted to make decisions for himself. He wanted to glorify himself. And when he fell into this disobedience and he fell into this corruption, then, then the Lord set, went to Samuel and he said, okay, now I want, I'm going to send you and I'm going to anoint a new king. But this new king is going to be my choice. And so the Lord sends Samuel to the house of Jesse. And this is what happens here in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 6. It says, When they came, he looked on Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not what man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad, And made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping my sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get for him. We will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was a ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and he went to Ramah. Boy, when I was preparing for this, I thought, there are some people in this body that, that have the heart of David. What I think is cool is when the, when, when the Lord sends Samuel and he anoints Samuel to go select his king, Samuel immediately looks upon this guy, Elab, and he says, yeah, this is definitely the guy. I could see it. I could see it in him. And I feel like what the Lord said was, boy, I, I, I know what you're looking at. But you, 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 you might not be able to see it in David, but I was there when that, when that boy wrestled that bear. I was there when that boy wrestled that lion. He wouldn't give up a single sheep to anything. And you know what I think? I think that there's times where 
the world might look and say, boy, that's just a little old lady. And I feel like the Lord says, I was there when they wrestled for their child. I was there when they wrestled, wrestled in prayer for their child. I feel like the, there's might, some people that might look at these teenagers, some of these young people, and say they're just, they're just a young person on fire. That's great. And the Lord says, oh, you don't even know the start of it because I'm there when they're wrestling for their, for their friends. I'm there when they're wrestling for their schools. I'm there when they're wrestling in prayer for their communities. I'm there when they're wrestling in prayer for their families. I feel like the thing that the Lord wants to tell you who have been wrestling for a long time and maybe not seen the response yet, I feel like the Lord wants to tell you he hears you, he sees you, and the anointing is coming. The anointing is coming. So the, the Lord orders Samuel to anoint David as king. And then you know what David does? First of all, he's anointed as king. And then it says this, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And he goes back into his dad's, dad's field and he keeps shepherding sheep. David was a teenager when he was called. And he wasn't, he wasn't the king of Israel until he was 30. And the same thing that the Lord did through Israel as he took them the long way is the same thing he did with David. He anointed him, and he said, not yet. And you know what David did? He kept serving his father, full of the spirit of the Lord, because the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him from that day forward. When he was out in the field then shepherding his flock, he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full and guided by the Holy Spirit. I think one of the reasons that the Lord, not only most of the time, almost always seems to take us the long way to this promise is because I think what the Lord wants from us is he wants us to hunger his presence more than we hunger the promise. All right? He wants us to be so hungry for his presence that we can't possibly think about the promise. The promise is good, but it's not good without him. If he hadn't gone before you into it, it's not good. But his presence is what makes the promise good. Why it's so important for us to be patient and wait on the Lord and follow the Lord wherever his presence goes is because if his presence doesn't go there, it's not going to be good. But when his presence does go there, it will be good. And when you think about David, picture for a moment David as he's sitting in a cave in enemy territory, hiding as Saul and his army are pursuing him. And he writes this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Think about him writing these verses. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What's the thing that, that David's, David's focused on? 
he said, this is what he, this is how he ends that. He says, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He doesn't sit in a cave and say, Lord, bring on the kingdom. I'm ready for it. I'm prepared. I'm ready for this promise. You anointed me. What's taking so long? He said, I'm only hungry for one thing and that's the Lord's presence. There's only one thing that matters to me and that's that I will dwell in the house of the Lord every day of my life. That's it. That's all there is for me. And if that comes with a kingdom, let it be, but don't let it be unless the presence of the Lord is there. Israel finds itself uh, collapsing under bad shepherds. Shepherds that had uh, had not carried the mantle as the Lord had called them to carry the mantle. And it finds itself collapsing under disobedient shepherds. Here's what we know in the natural, is that a disobedient shepherd doesn't put himself at risk, he puts his flock at risk. So the decisions of the shepherd are, are, are reflected on the flock. When a shepherd does good, his flock is protected. When a shepherd fails, his flock is at risk. And Israel is at risk because it's been, it's been, uh, been led by corrupt shepherds. And this is, this is how the Lord, this all kind of comes to a head in Ezekiel 34. And this is how the Lord responds to that. He's prophesying through Ezekiel during this time of collapse in Israel and Judah. And this is what it says in Ezekiel 34. This is a lot of reading, but just stick with me on this. Starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they are scattered because they were no, there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains, and on every high hill my sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search and seek for them. Therefore, you, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the sheep feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and dark, thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pastures on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself 
will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the loss, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. The Lord says these shepherds have not carried the anointing that they should have. But now I'm going to step in. But now God is going to step out of glory and he's going to lead his sheep. Now he's going to be the good shepherd. And then Jesus shows up. And in John chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that they may find life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for my sheep. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. You know what he calls himself? The fulfillment of everything that had been failed in Israel. He calls himself the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. I find it interesting when I look back to Ezekiel 34 and I say, what defines Jesus as the good shepherd? Here's, what he, here's how he defines himself as the good shepherd. He strengthens the weak. He, he, he rescues the, the broken. He heals the sick. He searches for and rescues the lost. And he rules with compassion and mercy. When I went back and I read through that, and I started to write these things down, the Lord had, in Ezekiel had identified as the, what he's going to do as the good shepherd. I think the one thing that the Lord showed me is that he has been every single one of these things to me. Because there was moments in my life where I was weak and I needed strength. There was moments in my life where I was broken and I needed restored. There was moments in my life where I was sick and I needed healed. There was a moment in my life where I was lost and he searched me out and he rescued me. And every day that I've submitted to him since then, he's been, had compassion and mercy over me. And the Lord who was from the beginning of time is today. When Jesus goes and he, he calls his disciples, his calls to his disciples is not believe in me. His call to his disciples is follow me. I feel like a lot of times in, in, in the American church culture, we have focused so, so completely and so totally. I'm not saying that it's not important, but we focus so completely and so fully on believe in me that we never get to the point where we follow him. We say yes to salvation and then we s sit there and wait. Sit there and wait to die. But I, I feel like in this time and in this season, for us particularly, what I see happening in our body right now, the Lord is calling us deeper. 
He's not calling us just to believe in him. He says, I know you believe in me, but now I want you to follow me. Now I'm going to take you to places that your mind couldn't fathom. And that might mean for a season you have to walk through a little bit of hardship. You might have to walk through a little bit of fear. You might have to walk through a little bit of turmoil. But I am leading you to a place that your mind can't even fathom. I'm leading you to a promised land. I'm faithful in all those things. Here's the good news for today. This is what I'm going to leave you with. This is the good news for today. When he went to Moses and he said, I'm going to lead my people out of the land of Israel and I'm going to lead them into the promised land. You know what he did? Exactly what he said he would do. It might have taken a long time, but he did exactly as he said he would do. And when he went to David and he says, I'm going to anoint you king, it might have taken a long time, but you know what he did? Exactly what he said he would do. And if you've, been, if you've been holding this promise close to your heart and saying, Lord, I, I don't know what's taken so long, you can have assurance knowing the Lord will do exactly as he said he will do. He will do exactly what he said he would do. He's faithful in all things. In his timing and in his will, it will be done. If you, if there's going to be people up here to pray, if, if you need prayer, if you just feel like, man, maybe there's something that you've been just wrestling with in prayer and you need the Lord to just fill you with a little bit of energy, fill you with a little bit of fire to keep going. There's people that will pray with you, that will, will join arms with you and pray with you, not just today, but throughout the rest of this journey until the Lord delivers exactly what he has said he would deliver. The Lord is calling us in deeper. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. It's going to be uncomfortable at times. There's going to be some people who would much rather sit in their seat that are going to benefit from stepping out. So just receive from the Lord. Follow the shepherd. I invite you to follow him. He has goodness for you. And he'll lead you with compassion and mercy. And if you need, if you need strength, he'll, he'll give you strength. If you need uh, restored, he'll restore you. If you need healed, he'll heal you. If you're lost, he's already been searching for you and he's ready with an open hand to rescue you. Let's pray. Lord, we, th- we thank you, God, for being our good shepherd. We're thankful, Lord, that, that you are who you've always been. You're faithful and true, Lord. Lord, we're thankful that you see us in our quiet time, in our private time, Lord. You see us when we're wrestling in prayer for, for, for somebody or something, Lord. And you, you are faithful in those things. You see us, you hear us, Lord, and you will see them come to pass. We just surrender more of ourselves to you, Lord. We want to give all of ourselves to follow you, Lord. Even if we don't know where you're taking us, God, we want to we follow b- behind your presence, Lord. Focus completely on your presence, Lord. Lord, help us to hunger more for your presence than even the promise. And lead us as we leave here, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.